morning, everyone. My name is Felix Justin, and I lead a high school ministry here in Santa Clarita. And the title of my sermon is Children of God. Please be turning to 1 John chapter 2, and we'll start there in just a bit. You know, I was at youth camp uh, filling in for Ron, and it was definitely not my idea about the Kopi Luak. He referred to it as a poop coffee. Uh, that was all, I was, I was inceptioned by, by Ron. That was his idea planted in me, okay? But now my th- uh, three-year-old son now knows that Ron drinks poop coffee, so, so I have that on you. Um, but uh, Ron, uh, he, like, like I said, he g- gave me a lot of the materials to do the, up, up there, and Ron's kind of the science guy, so I was up there filling in for him, and uh, I uh, think the last science class I took was in high school. So I was hoping that no, you know, smart kid up there asked me anything to do with anything science related. Um, someone threw out one term and I just said, hey, I, I, don't ask me in front of everybody. I study child development. I love kids, but uh, nothing science related. Um, but, you know, the thing that was really impacting for me was to see the heart of the children. You know, I was only up there for, for a short amount of time, and uh, there's some lifers that are there. You know, uh, I know Gary Whitmore is a lifer. Uh, he's been up there for many, many years. And uh, so, because I think that they're drawn to that heart of a child, and they see it very clearly. And uh, it's such an experience to, to be up there and to see that. Um, when I think of the heart of a child, I think, and I look at the, the teens that, uh, sorry, preteens that I inter- interacted with, Certain things are just not known yet. You look at them, they're not the jock yet, they're not the cheerleader, they're not the dropout, they're not the criminal, you know? They're just children. And that's awesome. They have no jobs, they have no worries. You know, they kind of just do whatever they're doing right then and there. You know, hey, I showed up, I'm here. This is what we do. Um, they're not thinking about tomorrow unless mom thinks about it for them or dad thinks about it for them. They don't know how they're getting anywhere. And they're hopefully, I mean, not hopefully, but maybe there's some cell phones, but probably not yet at this age. But they just go through life. And all that stuff to me seems scary. No job, no money, no uh, you know, knowledge of what's happening tomorrow. That Those things make me very uneasy. But for them... It's okay. They're not described. They're not labeled by what they do either. They're not a construction worker. They're not a nurse. They're not an officer. You know, because we, we talk like this, right? Hey, what do you do, right? And then you just say what you do for a living, right? I'm a, a barista. I work at a coffee shop. No, that's what you do, okay? I'm a minister. This is what I do. I'm, I'm, we start to classify ourselves by what we do. But for children, they can do a whole lot of stuff, but really, they're just a child. They're not defined yet. And I love that. I wish I could freeze that moment in time for all of us. Not that I want to be an adolescent, but I think God wants us to be that same way, without worry, that trust in him, that we are his children. And to think about that. Now, I got to experience that, and there really was no worry up there. Uh, everything was taken away, you know, meals were provided, you know, the, uh, people sound horns and, you know, they just go and eat. 
and they sound horns and then they throw water at you and but I'd like to return to that age. I'd like to return to that sense of peace and that feeling between us and God. And that's what we're going to take and we're going to look at today. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. The title here, it says, Children of God. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that what he... When he appears, he, we shall be like him. Excuse me. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And we'll stop there for a second. You know, when we read the Bible, sometimes we we just kind of blow through things and we just kind of read on. Uh, The Bible is not meant to be read like Harry Potter, uh, if you didn't know, teens. Um... We don't just read it just like any other book. You know, we can read it in sort of sections and we can pull things out. We can also read it, uh, some, some of them like narratives, I, so, but sometimes we just blow through things, just in life, okay? So my first point here is let's stop and smell the coffee, okay? We have coffee drinkers in here? Not that coffee. I wrote this before Ron said anything. Let's stop and smell the coffee. Because sometimes we just go to Star- Starbucks or we go to other places and, you know, there's a drive through and we get it and just drink it just for the feeling, just for the rush, right? Just for, to, to wake me up. But we don't sit there and enjoy it. Let's smell it. Let's, in, let's take it in. Let's slow down for a second. Let's do that with this scripture and let's do that with other scriptures when we're having our quiet times. In verse 1, it says, How great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And it's an exclamation point. And then he says it again. And that is what we are with another exclamation point. Uh, Just to let you know, the Bible does not give these exclamation points out just willy-nilly, okay? Just uh, like you guys text, uh, I... I text a lot of teens, and there's exclamation points after everything. Sometimes, actually, the, the, the people who are worst at are the parents, okay? I'm just like, exclamation point, you know, five in a row, LOLs and caps, and I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of, that's a lot of emotion there. <laughs> I don't know if we're really displaying this. How we, are you shouting this at me? LOL! <laughs> no caps. No caps. But... In the Bible, so we see two exclamation points, okay? That's huge, because that doesn't happen all the time. Sit back, smell the coffee. What's going on here? He's trying to help us understand there's something big going on here. We are his children. What does that mean? Think about that for, for a moment. And just in your mind, what does that mean to be a child of God? I know for me, when I think about it, it means that I have a father, that I have someone to run to. You know, just the other night, 
my son, who's three years old, I have two sons, but my son, who's three, woke me up. It was like the third time he woke me up that night. I think he was, something was going on. So usually I'm just kind of upset, right? Like sleep is being disturbed here. But he woke me up the third time, and I decided to inquire. Because the whole child of God was on my brain. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to ask some questions before I just get upset here. And he told me this whole story about this giant at about 3 in the morning, okay? So I don't remember everything, but there was this whole story about this giant and how he was scared, and he was kind of looking off into space when he was telling me. And it was this very real fear. And I told him, that's just in your brain. It, you know, just, just close your eyes and it'll go away. And he said, Daddy, it's not just in my brain. It is real. The giant is real. And then I, I kind of connected for a second. For him, the giant is totally real. For me, there's no giant. You know, it's very easy to, you know, hey, explain this away or, or you know, say it's something else. But for us, we have giants in our life. Very real things. Where if God looks down, he's like, oh, man, really? It's a shadow. It was a dream. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. When I think about being a child of God, I, I think about having a father to turn to when there's giants in my life. Think about those shadows that seem so real to me. What does being a child of God really mean to you? Someone to turn to. Someone to look to. Someone to comfort. A refuge. A safe place. First thing is sit back, smell the coffee. You know, we're going to continue going through this scripture and just digging out some stuff here and making connections. This is the only passage we're going to go to, so uh, let's continue reading here. Verse 2. It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has yet to be made known. But we know that when he appears... We shall be like him. That scripture right there is really cool to think about. Okay, so we're his children, and it's, it's referring to heaven, right? What we will be is yet to be made known. Something greater, something better than this is going to be happening in the future. That to me is awesome, okay? Uh, I am not super old. I am 29 years old. However... I am feeling my age already because I was at this water war. And although the staff did win, I, uh, I, re I received some pain. Okay? And uh, Mike Lisnick, which is Dave's son, uh, I think was, I was, you know, in, I was in the zone. I'm just telling you guys. I was in the zone. Just going for, and I was gunning for kids from Santa Clarita. And out of nowhere, from about five feet away, Full force, and, and Mike is like one of the older kids there. Five feet just slammed uh, a water balloon in my ear. I felt like someone threw a rock. And then there was this ringing sound for minutes, and I, I wanted to cry. Don't tell him that. I wanted to cry, but I held it back, and I composed myself, and I said, good shot. Good shot. I also was carried, I was lifted up at one point 
my gun was taken away. Some, this is more from the adults, young adults, who had got this idea, and I was slammed into mud. Thank you for that. So anyways, that's all to say I'm feeling my age, okay? 29, all of it, right? If you're older, I'm sure you're feeling more of that age, right? Hopefully you didn't get slammed into mud this week. But he's saying that we're going to be like God, at least some parts of it. We're going to leave this body, and there's going to be something better out there, right? That, to me, is exciting, that if you are a child of God, there's something to look forward to. It's not just this life. You know, because sometimes we live for the, just the good moments, right? We live for a vacation. We're like, oh, okay, hey, this upcoming vacation, that's where my life is really at. Because I, I, can, I can go through this. I can just power through this job or this, you know, whatever, because I'm really looking forward to that. And we live for those moments. But God say, no, I mean, this is great, but there's something else even better. This is like vacation for eternity. This is awesome. And you have a different body. That's really cool. Let's continue reading here. Verse 3. It says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So if you want to go to heaven, if that is your hope, that is awesome. That's a great hope. Heaven is awesome. So that's a place you want to be, okay? There's two options. I'm not sure if you knew. But heaven is a better option. However, Heaven is pure. God is pure. If you want to be in heaven, you can start doing that stuff now. It's not just, hey, you live your life and then you die and then hopefully you're pure. But that sometimes we think that the default setting is heaven. Hey, people die. Hey, you know what? At least they're in heaven. Really? It's not what it says here. Now, if you don't like being pure, and if you don't like being good and doing right things, then maybe heaven is not the place for you. Maybe you would like to go to heaven, but are you doing the right thing now? Because in heaven, that's where, that's where God resides. He wants people to, uh, there who want to be like him. He doesn't want people there who are just got in because it's the default setting. Oh, yeah, you know what? You didn't follow me. You didn't do what I said. You're not pure. You didn't do what was right. But hey, come on in. No. Do the right things. And you're going to be like him. And it's going to be awesome. It's not the default. It's a place where we can worship with God who is the essence of purity. Now, he, re he does recognize that there is sin, though. Okay, so it's not just like, okay, just be pure and be a child of God and everything's going to be good. He does recognize that there's sin, but he says, and he, he takes this into account, he says, he was sent to take that away. He being Jesus. The thing that Ron talked about earlier, the cross, Jesus dying for us, he sent Jesus to take away our sins. That is awesome. 
You can't get into heaven without that. Just period. You cannot do it. No matter how hard you try, no matter how pure you are, you can't get in. You need that. That's your ticket. You need grace. You need to be forgiven. You know, I actually taught my son about forgiveness this past week. Same son, three years old. He, uh, I don't remember exactly what he did. I think he kicked something, and I saw it out of the corner of my eye, and I asked him, did you do that on purpose, or is it an accident? And I knew it was on purpose. He said, accident. I said, Jake? He said, uh, uh, don't give me punishment. I said, was it on purpose or accident? He said, it was on purpose. I don't want a punishment. And I was not in a place to deliver the punishment that I had in mind for such an offense as lying. So I said, hey, you know, when we get home, you're going to get the punishment. And, uh, and I'm very hard line on, on that. Like, I always remember you know, he might forget a little bit or he actually tries to negotiate sometimes. Like, can I sleep and in the morning get my punishment? I want to go to sleep. Or even when we're driving on the way home, he, he fakes sleeping. So that he is sleeping, which never works. So I, I'm, I'm very hard line on the punishments. And However, I said, you know, I'm going to teach my son about forgiveness and grace. I thought about this. I'm not sure if this is right. We can talk about it later, Ron. I'll get advice after I tell you what I did. But I said, you know what? I'm going to teach him about grace. I said, Jake... You know how you're supposed to get a punishment? He said, yeah. Well, today, I'm going to have grace on you. And you're not going to get that punishment. His answer was, Daddy, but I lied. Why? I lied. And I, I didn't really have an answer because answer I thought he was just going to jump for joy and, and say, awesome. Eventually got there. But I was trying to explain, because he's never really heard this word grace. We don't use it in our house often, probably. <laughs> Need to use it more. So teaching about this new word, grace. So I'm trying to think about other words to associate with this. And I said, Jake, I have grace, and that means it's your lucky day. And he knows what lucky means. So he said, thank you, Daddy. That's awesome. And he actually said that. And uh, it was, it was kind of cool, you know, but I taught him about grace. And so now that he knows about grace and now that I've forgiven him, hopefully he will never, ever lie again <laughs> and never trespass against me as a good father. You guys are laughing, okay? <laughs> Chances are that's not going to be the case, right? I haven't even thought about preteen, teen years. Ugh. But now let's bring it back to us, children of God. God has forgiven you. God has given you and paid the ultimate price so that your sins blotted out, forgiven, forgot about. Today is your lucky day. How are you treating God? with that information? How do you treat the forgiveness that he's given you? You say, hey, thanks, God. See you later. And go do it again. Are you a repeat offender? 
Or do you let it soak in? Let it sit? And does it make your actions different? Because that's the hope. God loves you so much. You are his child. You are his precious possession that he wants to give you everything. And even to the point of having his own son die on the cross. Now, if that doesn't change you, nothing will. He's given it. There's nothing else. There's no other sacrifice that's going to be made. Oh, you know, that one didn't work here. Here's a supplement. No, no, that's it. That's the good news. And hopefully, it changes us. Hopefully, it changes you. That when you go out from here, when you go out from Sunday, when you go out from to, to your work, to your family, that you are different because of that. That you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are pure because of that sacrifice. Amen? Let's continue reading. Verse 7. It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's a great scripture. However, it's a very black and white scripture. There's no gray area here. It's either you're right, so you do what's righteous. You do what's wrong, you're of the devil. You don't read that scripture too much. I don't think that scripture is painted on cars and stickers and such. It's a black and white scripture. It's very conditional. If you do what is right, you're in. But if you don't, you're on the outs. Everyone in here who has, had, who, who has a child or children has looked at your child at one point and thought, that is not my child. <laughs> or maybe thought, I wish that was not my child. You know, I've had that moment. Uh, Jake was taking swim lessons and is a fantastic swimmer. Uh, this is last year. And, but just stubborn, like would not budge, right? He's, the, the teacher would instruct him, blow bubbles underwater, and he would just... And you look at you, and I was thinking, punishments, no grace, not lucky. But every, every parent's had that, right? I mean, you've looked at your child, and you're like, oh, man, maybe it's at the candy li- I- I line, you know, right before you check out, and there's this tantrum, and you're like, this is not normally how my child is. <laughs> but you know what, God... He looks at you, and it's not, I hope that you're not my child. It's, you are not my child. That's scary. It's conditional. You act up, not according to my way, you are not my child. I don't own you. You don't have my name. You don't have my imprint. You don't have my seal. If something happens to you, it's not my problem. To me, that's a scary place to be. I don't want to be there. I mean, I'm, I have a son. I don't want him to be there. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to do what's right. 
It's a, it's a relationship. God has these relationships with each one of us. And he wants that. He wants it to be strong. But it is conditional. And you can't just do whatever you want to do and think everything's going to be okay. And that's why in the first part of this, it's so great. It says, do not be led astray. Right there, right in front. Because he's going to tell you something really hard. So don't be led astray because some other people out there are going to tell you something different. Some other people are going to say, things are gray. Oh, I know you, that scripture says it's black and white. And, you know, if, if you don't do what he says, you're not going to be in. No, no, no. Things are gray. Who would love to have it like that? Satan. Do not be led astray. You know, in the teen ministry, we're actually doing this video we're making for teen camp. And uh, one of the guys, I think it was, I forgot, Tim, yes. He, uh, he, he thought of the idea of doing catfish, okay? And this catfish is a, a, a show on TV. I'm not condoning this show. I haven't really seen too much. But the idea is really great because a lot of teens watch it. And the idea, and this happens quite often, is to be, does it, to be catfished, I think is the, the actual term. But um, when you create a relationship with somebody, like say I'm thinking I'm in a relationship with Susie, Right, and Susie and I are texting. We're building this relationship, and I'm sending her pictures of me, and and this this relationship kind of grows. Maybe it's through Facebook or some other social network. However, I think she is Susie, but actually she might be a he. You guys get it? So behind the actual texting or something might be somebody else, and maybe it's not Susie, but maybe it's Martha, you know, or whatever. Right, and the whole thing is that you're getting duped. And maybe if you guys don't know about being catfish, maybe you know about Manti Teo. Okay, this happened to him. He thought he was in a relationship with some person. Turned out not, not to be them at all. This happens quite often, by the way. So if someone's randomly texting you, be, be careful, okay? All right? But don't be catfished by Satan. Don't be led astray. He would love to have a relationship with you and say he was God. Hey, you know what? We're tight. We're good. Maybe he even sent you pictures of God and, and different scriptures. But, you know, he, the whole time he's twisting it for his benefit. You think you're in a great relationship and you think things are good. Things are awesome. And, you know, the great thing about the show is that at the end, the whole this guy is a host. The whole time, he's building this up to the end when they actually meet this person, right? So when you actually meet Susie for the first time, you realize, whoa, you've been catfished. But for us, when, does that, when is that time? When will we actually meet Satan? It's going to be too late. You're going to think you're in this relationship. You can think things are good, and then boom. There's no turning back anymore. There's no other option. Don't let that be you. Do not be led astray. Do not sell yourself short. Do not give in. Do not think that things are gray when they're black and white. He would love to muddy the waters. He would love to deceive you. And it says, from the beginning. He's been doing this from a, for a long time. 
When did he first start? He started this with Eve, right? Adam and Eve. Hey, you know what? You can be like God if you just eat of the tree of knowledge. Just eat. And actually, God doesn't want that because you're going to be like him. That's the ultimate deception. Because this scripture says that if you don't do what I say, you're going to be like the devil. But he twisted it around to make her think that, you know, if I do this, I'm going to be like God. He was a murderer from the beginning. John 8, 44, and just, I'm just going to quote this. It's not quote, read it. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. For when he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He knows how to trick you. He knows how to deceive you. He's been doing this a long time, and he will continue doing this long after you're gone. Don't be catfished. Don't be deceived. When you're here and reading stuff like this, this is good. This is good for you. You need this. And you need to carry it on at home and continue doing it. Amen? Verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Pretty clear again, right? But this is talking about also born of God. And it says it twice here. So whenever that happens, you have to notice we're going to stop and sip the coffee for a moment. Born of God. Now, we know what it means to be a child of God, but what does it mean to be born of God? Sometimes we think born of God or like born again or something like that. that those, those are our associations. But born is not an easy process. And the women in the room who've had children will tell you that. Sometimes I get around my wife and then, you know, when she's talking about like to another mom and, and it kind of there's like these war stories almost. And it's like, oh, really? I had this many hours of pain and whatever. And, you know, I kind of like walk away because it gets pretty intense. I was there for both of my children being bo born, but uh, I know it's May 27th and the other one's January 7th. That's great. The details are a little fuzzy. <laughs> details are not fuzzy for Jill. She knows exactly what happened, how many hours, everything's recorded. And, and she actually didn't write this down. It's all in memory, okay? So being born is not an easy process. It is not some feeling that you got at a worship concert. It's not an epiphany. You were just sitting there and bam, I was born. Wow, that was pretty cool. No, that's not what happens. There's a moment in time that you have been born. You are different. You came out of the womb. And there's a whole great scripture in Romans that talks about the association between being born and born of water, and talking about baptism. It's awesome. You should read it sometime, Romans 6. He's talking about being born. He's talking about baptism. He's talking about a time where you were not his and a time where you were. There's a time where my son was not my son. He was just in the womb, and he's there. And, hey, that's cool. But then he was born. 
and now he's mine. And there's labor pains that went with that for my wife. But from that moment on, he is mine. Have you been born of God? Has there been that moment where he's seen you being born and he says, you are mine? If so, awesome. That's great. You are his child. But if you haven't, then you're not. It's very clear. Because there's a whole thing we talked about, the sin messes you up, then there's, there ha- that sin has to be accounted for. And that's why Jesus was sent. And then you have to be born. Great. I have to be different. Awesome. He's advocating for that. And it's not some warm fuzzy, like I said, that overtook you overnight. It's this process. And if you're born, awesome. But it doesn't just stop there. You have to live this life right? It says, if you do what is right, then you are righteous. You could be born and forget about this. This, is, this scripture was written to other disciples. It's like, how do I know who's real here? Well, if you do what is right, then you're his. But if you're not, then you're not. You're not me. You're not mine. Remember that whole conditional aspect. God wants us to return to being his child. We talked about that in the beginning, right? This, this f- moment that we could freeze in time, this moment that we can run to, that he can be our God. He wants that for you today. And that can happen. And that's very possible. There's a lot of people in this room could even help you to become better, a better child of God, or to learn how to become a child of God. Ask them. Seek that and find it. Today we talked about smelling the coffee. In your personal Bible study, try that out. Stop for a second. Don't just keep reading and reading. Take a, take a moment here. Being a child of God is awesome. Being a child of God is also conditional. We talked about that. If you don't do what I say, you're not mine anymore. And how, that's, how scary that can be. And we also talked about being catfished, right? Being catfished, you don't want that to happen on the last day. You don't want to find out Susie was really Satan, okay? We also talked about being born of God. Let's live as children of God today. Amen. Thank you.